Jesus has done. Thank you, team. <laughs> you did well today. I, I, I agree with Brownie, too. I agree that when we have uh, just like an acoustic set, I really enjoy that as well because it's something different. I really love the rest of, having the rest of the band there, too, but it's really nice to have something different, eh? And, and it really does make you feel... Uh, it is a bit more intimate. I like that. Your voice becomes a bit, bit more easily heard. <laughs> but it's, a, it's good. It's really good. Uh, is there any notices that you needed to play, Jasmine, over, over the... I just wanted to... Is there? Oh, yeah. So production work, workshop. We're going to be doing a workshop fairly soon. Haven't set the date yet, but we've got a couple of people already who've said they're interested in learning about that, which is great. So if there's anyone else that wants to learn about any area of production. Oh, what else does it say? We need volunteers to help in production, which is what I said before. Children, youth ministry, cafe, ch kitchen hands, security, hostesses and ushers, lots of things, really. Um, so if you feel uh, that you've been wanting to do something, uh, your help would be most appreciated. Thank you. I mean, we, all, we all make this church work together, you know, by working together, right? If, if nobody did anything, then we, we would really struggle. We probably wouldn't have any lights on or anything, <laughs> you know. So, so yeah, we, we are very grateful. For, we, we're a church family, and everybody does their part. So I'm speaking today on the God kind of faith. And I thought this would, I, well, I felt God leading me to do this, and then it's interesting that James uh, spoke on fear last week, so it works in perfectly. So I want to start by turning to Mark 11. Now, I haven't got scriptures for the screen, so if you've got your Bible or your Bible app or you just want to listen, then that's fine. Um, so Mark 11, verses 22 to 23, says, Have faith, have the faith, of, have faith in God. Now, another way to, to look at that is to say, have the God kind of faith. Okay, so have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Now, Jesus said that the God kind of faith is this, to say with your mouth what you believe in your heart and then you'll have what you say. So this is what we do. We believe it in our heart. This is what Jesus said. Believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth, then you'll have whatever you say. Now, Hebrews 11, verse 3, if I just read that quickly, it, it does say that God, God, uh, God's faith framed the world by his words. And I quite like this scripture. It says, by faith, we understand, the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Okay, so, you know, God believed, God has created us in his like, likeness and image, and God created the world by faith too, because he saw, he believed in his heart, he saw something he wanted to create. He wanted to create mankind, but he wanted to create a world for mankind to live. And so he saw that picture in his mind first, and then he spoke it out of his mouth, and then it became... Okay, so God used faith to create the world. And because we're made in his image, we, we can do the same. 
And so Mark, in Mark 11, 22 and 23, Jesus was saying, this is how faith works. And he'd gone, if you read earlier in the chapter, he'd given the example with the fig tree and he'd cursed the fig tree and then the next day they were walking back um, from where they'd been and they saw the fig tree withered. And so he had used that as a sort of a teaching point really uh, about faith. And then in verse 24 of uh, Mark 11, Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And Jesus said, whatever things you ask when you pray, I'm just going to repeat it, believe that you um, receive them and you will have them. So Jesus wasn't just teaching us on how to use our faith, he was actually proclaiming it as well. He was prophesying what we will do. And uh, so if you've ever had any doubt about our faith moving mountains, here's the proof that you will do it because Jesus said so. And I want to go into talking about hope for a moment because the promise of God is what we're hoping for, isn't it? There are many, many, many promises in the word of God and they will relate to anything that you're going through in your life. And in Romans 4, 17 and 18, uh, it says that Abraham called those things which do not exist as though they did, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed. And so what we do is we call the things which don't exist, this is what faith is, it's calling the things which don't exist as if they already are. So another way to think of this is to speak out now what you're hoping for as if it's already happened so focus on the object of your hope live like it's a reality now Romans 4:20 says he did this is still talking about Abraham he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God so it's important that we develop our hope so what are you hoping for? We all have hopes. We all have things we're hoping for. And Matthew 7, 11 says that God gives good gifts to his children. He's given good. So he would never withhold anything that's good from you. Psalm 84, 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, you'll notice in the Bible... That Lord is spelt with capital letters. And when that is like that, when it's Lord God with capitals, in Hebrew it means Yahweh Elohim, which means God and his system of government. That's the seed time and harvest. It's the sowing and reaping. And to walk in Hebrew means to grow steadily. And uprightly in Hebrew means blameless, which means free from blame, without fault, Holy and righteous, not necessarily sin-free. I'm not trying to say that because we all make mistakes. But because, but Jesus has reconciled us to God through his blood. Okay, so what this verse is saying is that when we grow steadily in God, blameless, our, our harvest will be blessing. So there's, a, there's always a seed sown and there's always a harvest. And so we should rejoice in what we're hoping for. Romans 2, 2 to 5, so, sorry, Romans 5, 2 to 5, 
says that we rejoice in hope of the glory of God, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, not, not because we like going through tribulations, but knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And then it says, now hope does not disappoint. So what I want to encourage you to do when it comes to your walk of faith is to not focus on the problem, focus instead on the promise. Focus on the promise. That's our hope. That's what our hope is. And I remember being taught when I was younger that hope is like the destination. It's the thing that we're aiming for, right? And faith is the vehicle that gets us to hope. So we need to focus on the end, what we're hoping for. We need to focus on the destination. Because if we focus on the trip there, that's where we see all the problems. So we need to focus on the hope, the thing at the end. And we also need to make sure we don't talk about the negative side of our problems either. Don't speak it out because our words are prophetic declarations. And it says in the Bible that we should all prophesy, but we are prophets to our own lives even. And so what we say, whether it's good or bad, it's a prophetic word. You can think of it like that. We aren't prophets. We're not in the office of a prophet necessarily. Not very many are. There's not, just like not everybody's pastor, you know. Uh, what I'm talking about is, is, is the, we're all told that we can prophesy. And we, we can because the words we speak create. Just like with God, his words create as well. And so that's why speaking out the negative side of the problem isn't helpful because if we're speaking out the negative side, then we're going to get that not what we're actually hoping for. So we need to focus on the promises of God, focus on what we're hoping for. So I'm going to give you some examples, and I want to start with the promise that God gave us of eternal life. And 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 to 7, and this is from a different version. It's the CEV. It says our bodies are like tents. So think our, our physical body is like a tent, our spirit. And our soul live within our spiritual, uh, physical body. And so when we die, we leave the physical body behind and our spiritual body and our soul goes on to heaven if we know God. But it says here, our bodies, so our bodies are like tents. So that's, I can see that that totally makes sense that we live here, live in here on earth. But when these tents are destroyed, we know that God will give each of us a place to live. These homes will not be buildings someone has made, but they are in heaven and will last forever. So God's told us that we will eventually have immortal bodies, even though now we have mortal bodies that will die at some point. While we're here on earth, we sigh because we want to live in that heavenly home. We, put, we want to put it on like clothes and not be naked. And then verse 4 says, These tents we now live in are like a heavy burden and we groan. But we don't do this just because we want to leave these bodies that will die. It is because we want to change them for bodies that will never die. God is the one who makes all this possible. He's given us his spirit to make us certain he will do it. So always be cheerful. As long as we are in these bodies, we are away from the Lord. And that is true. 
And it says, but we live by faith, not by what we see. And in the King James Version, verse 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Or the New King James. Well, it probably is the King James as well. Uh, So God says, focus on the promise. God says, focus on the promise, not on the problem. And he, he calls them promises for a reason. So here's a, here's a practical example, another practical example for you. If you're applying faith for a financial need, you know, know that God wants to provide and he promises that he is our provider. And the law of seed time and harvest works for us all. Um, and you don't even need to be a Christian for it to work, actually. Uh, Proverbs eleven twenty four to 25 says, There is one who scatters yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. So if the seed, thinking about sowing and reaping, or seed time and harvest, if the seed that you plant is generosity, then the harvest is going to be prosperity and blessing. But on the other hand, if the seed you plant is to withhold more than is right, then the harvest will be poverty. That's what that scripture says. So it's a spiritual law, and it works. It was set in motion at the creation of the world. And, and so that is, that's a law that works every time. Proverbs 22.4 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Again, there's the word Lord. It's Yahweh, uh, the... the uh, the Lord of seed time and harvest. So it's knowing that what you sow, you will reap. And so if you sow the seed of humbleness and respect for Yahweh, or that, the, you know, the, the Lord of seed time and harvest, then the harvest will be prosperity, honor, and life. That makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, now, God wants to bless all of his children, but if you're a tither and a, if you're a tither and a giver, you have an extra promise on top, and that's, Malachi 3, verses 10 and 11, which says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and prove me now, and this says, The Lord of hosts, again, L-O-R-D, capitals, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So in the Old Testament times, the tithe was brought into the storehouse um, at the temple, uh, which, were, which was where the storage rooms um, were, where the Levite priests ministered. And part of the purpose of the tithe was to ensure that the temple had everything needed and that the priests had what they needed to live because their job was to minister to the people, not to be basically running farms and so forth, if you get what I mean. And so today, the storehouses are the local church, which feeds you spiritual food. And so the amazing thing about Malachi 3, 10 and 11 is that when you tithe, the Lord God, Yahweh, the God of the harvest system, opens the windows of heaven over your life and pours out so much blessing that you have so much and more so much that you can't give it away fast enough. That, that would be a good thing, position to be in, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, but we've got to apply our faith for this. 
So God promises also to rebuke everything that might try to devour the seed that we've sown as well. So it's really important that when you give, um, when you give tithes and offerings, apply your faith when you give. Because God's promised overwhelming blessing. Um, And while God doesn't like to see us in lack or poverty, he's actually only moved into action for us when we apply our faith a financial breakthrough. That doesn't mean that he doesn't empathize with us. He doesn't. Un- he does understand how we feel. He understands and, and loves us deeply, but it's faith that moves God, not our emotions or even our need, actually. It's our faith. God, God sees our need and wants to help us, but he's waiting for us to apply our faith, and that's what moves him. And if it was, say, a healing need, applying our faith for a healing need, you know, you need to know this. God is always willing to heal. And he promises, that's his promise. He promises to heal us. But he's moved into action by our faith, not by our emotion, um, and not because he feels empathy for us, which he does, and not even because of our need for healing. He's moved because of our faith, that we're putting our faith out for healing. And I want to go to Exodus 15:26 and then explain that scripture to you. If you diligently, it says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, again, L-O-R-D, capitals, Yahweh, system of government, seed time and harvest, um, and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, this verse, now as I said, Lord is capital, so it's God and his system of government, which is seed time and harvest. And this verse isn't saying that God put diseases on the Egyptians purposely as a, or as a form of punishment, but it was a result of the seed sown by the Egyptians themselves that caused their destruction. So what God is saying in this verse is that what the Egyptians reaped as their harvest, which was destruction and sometimes death, was a result of the seed they themselves had sown. So therefore we could read this verse as, if you do what is right before God, the harvest will be healing. Now, you know, it says that, for I am the Lord who heals you. And I remember having a vision, and I've said it before, quite a lot of you have heard this before, but... I had a a dream slash vision where Jesus came to my bedside one night and he said, "For I," he didn't say the rest of the scripture prior, but he said, for I am the Lord who heals you. And then the next night he said, it, it came again, and this time all he said was, I am. And God is the God who heals. God wants to heal. He's, he's waiting for us to apply our faith for it. So our harvest is healing if we're sowing the right stuff, you know. And so, so Jesus is saying, I am the Lord who heals you. I am. And But to receive that healing, we need to apply our faith. And it applies as well even at the, you know, with a need for peace or freedom from fear and anxiety. And there is a lot of fear around. It's been around for quite a while, but it's been, it's a lot of upheaval going on in the world, isn't there? 
And by the way, I encourage you, continue to pray for Israel, continue to pray for the peace of Israel, because that's what God tells us to do. He says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so we need to keep doing that, need to make sure we keep continuing to pray for that. You know, God says that he is our refuge and our fortress and that we can put our trust in him. And God promises to give us peace no matter what's going on around us. That sounds lovely. Sounds really nice. So if we, so what God is saying is we don't need to be afraid about anything if we trust him. And, some, and I'm just giving you a few scriptures, but there's so many more in the Bible if you go and give it a study. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God and Him I will trust. So provided, you know, the scripture is saying, provided we live in God, trusting Him, He is our refuge and fortress. He's our place of safety and security. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Hey. If we, and if you don't have that in your heart, you need to speak it out. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not. In fact, there's so many scriptures related to, being, to, to fear and, getting, and being bold and courageous. That it's just I can't say all of them. There's too many for right now. Uh, but Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, God promises that he will help us and strengthen us, leading us by the hand. I like the sound of that because he's our father, and, and a father takes their child by the hand. Hey, Because the father or... or the mother wants to keep that child safe and lead them to the right place. And I love that about God. He said, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And in verse 13, it says, for I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand. He even holds our right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. So when the all-powerful, almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, takes our right hand to help us, saying that he's going to strengthen us and he's, he's going to help us. That puts us in a really, really strong position because all, all, all fear is gone when we know that God is with us, when we, we can trust him to be with us all the time. And even when there's wars and rumours of wars, which are happening right now, Jesus told us not to fear. Matthew 24, 6 says... You will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not troubled. So to be troubled in the Hebrew is to be anxious or afraid. So Jesus is telling us when we hear, these, when we hear about these things happening, do not feel alarmed and do not be frightened. And that's some of the words taken directly out of the Hebrew translation is not feeling alarmed. Okay, so do not be troubled. In other words, he's saying, do not feel alarmed. Do not feel frightened. Why? Because when we trust him, he becomes our refuge. He becomes our place of safety. So even if the upheaval around us becomes more and more intense, when we trust him, which takes faith, 
confidence. That's believing and having confidence in his word, which is faith. We've got to apply faith everywhere. We are assured that he's with us. And Psalm 91 verses 9 to 12 says, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands. That sounds good, eh? They'll bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So when we trust and rely, trust and rely on God and abide or live in him, he promises protection and freedom from fear as well. And I love that scripture because in the original Hebrew, when in that part where it says he will... Um, he will give his angels charge over you. The actual meaning is he will order his angels to act like bodyguards to us. So you've all got your own personal bodyguard. It's a spiritual being. There's lots in here right now. So yeah, that's cool, eh? Bodyguard. So our angel is our bodyguard. But we have to apply faith. Okay. So yeah, apply your faith for peace and protection in these times. And so how do we develop our faith? We develop it by hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing. So it's Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we develop our faith by spending time in the word of God. There's no shortcuts. We've got to read it, we've got to meditate on it, that means ponder it and think about it, and then we need to speak it out. You know how in some, peop in some churches people go to confession, where they confess their sins? I'm not saying you shouldn't repent, but what I'm saying is how about instead we confess the promise how about we do that? How about we confess the promise of the, which is the word instead? How about we confess the promise? Because we can confess and speak out and prophesy the word over our needs and our circumstances. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So I'm going to give you the Hebrew meanings in. I've been delving into these a lot. And it's, it really helps you gain a, a deeper revelation, or helps me gain a deeper revelation. So I'd encourage you to do that yourself. So to hold fast is to take possession of. And confession refers to speaking the conclusion. Basically, what I'm saying is confession refers to speaking the hope. It's the destination. Confession is speaking the conclusion. Without wavering in Hebrew, it means to be without bending. It's to be resolute. And faithful, and it says in that scripture, it says, he who promised is faithful. Faithful means trustworthy. So this scripture, I'm going to paraphrase it for you. Take possession of and speak out the conclusion we hope for. 
without bending or speaking opposition to because God is 100% trustworthy. He'll do what he says. I'll say that one more time. Take possession of and speak out of the out the conclusion we hope for without bending, without speaking in opposition to, because God is 100% trustworthy and he'll do what he says. You know, it's, it's important that we don't speak in opposition to what we're praying for because we're undoing our prayer when we do do that. Um, Matthew 21, 22 says it this way, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. And so there's no fast food drive-through way of receiving God's promises. <laughs> there is no shortcuts. We're used to a very instant world, which is not always helpful when it comes to living the life of a Christian because you've got to be consistent and you've got to have a degree of determination as well, don't you? So, uh, so we need to make sure that we are meditating on the word of God and pondering it long enough so that it's actually dropped down into our heart. Um, and so we need to make sure that other bits of our life don't encroach on that time with God because it's really easy to allow that to happen. You get to the end of the day, oh, I've done, I haven't even picked up my Bible. You know, so it's, it's try and make this a priority, spending time with God because it's so important that what that we have the word of God in our heart because that's what we need to apply our faith. And also make sure that your confession lines up with what you're hoping for because if it doesn't, you're undoing your prayers. It's, it's wasted breath, really. Um, and so, yeah, really, really important. Make sure that you... Uh, this is something that I don't have in my notes quite, quite written like I want to say, but... We, it's really important that we have the word in, in our heart because the word will in a in a in a, a moment of like if something happens suddenly, what's in our heart will come out of our mouth, and if it's not the word of God, it's going to be negative stuff. And so we, that's why it's really important that we have the word in our heart. We've got to make sure that we. We believe what we're speaking out. And we can only do that by spending time in God's word. And, you know, our covenant, what we were talking about before with our communion is that it's really important, you know, it's to do with the covenant because God is moved into action to help us by our faith. Okay, it's not by our emotion. It's not by his empathy or anything like that. So just talking about covenant very, very briefly when two people or two tribes make a covenant, it's because they need each other. This happened a lot in Old Testament times. doesn't really happen in Western countries. Um, the closest you'd get would be a contract agreement, but even then it's not the same because the covenant agreement was so much deeper. And so one tribe would have what the other tribe needed and vice versa. And so when they would make covenant with each other, it would make both tribes strong because what one tribe was weak and the other tribe covers them for and vice versa. And so a covenant was always sealed in blood as well. And God has made a covenant with us 
and it's been sealed in Jesus' blood. And so God's gift to us was his son Jesus and our gift to God is our life, which we have chosen to give him if we've made Jesus our Lord and Saviour. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, I am not my own, I was bought with a price. And so we've been purchased with Jesus, precious blood. Used to be a song about that. I don't know if anyone remembers it. But God has given us many precious promises, and to access them we need to apply our faith. And all we need to do is ask and believe, then receive. But we need, I think the believe, believing bit sometimes trips some of us up because we might not have the word of God in our heart um, fully. It might be in our head, but not, not in our heart. And so, I don't know, you know how the Bible says that God knows our innermost thoughts? It means that sometimes, and I've, I've, since I had a revelation on that, I started noticing times where, I'd get this thought, and it was so quick, and I'd know sometimes it lined up with the word of God, and other times it wasn't, and it's because it's an innermost belief, or it's an innermost thought, and so the only way to get rid of those things is to replace it with the word of God. Yeah. And so we need to receive them by faith, and in John 14, 14, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And ask, in the original Greek, which is the New Testament, is actually the word demand. It's actually demand. Now, because we come from a Western nation, we, we, don't, we think we're being rude if we demand. But God doesn't see it like that. And so, you know, some of us have been brought up more conservatively than others or, you know, don't, you know, don't speak in a rude way, don't try not to offend people, whatever. But, and so that uh, has an impact on our relationship with God. But what we need to do, Jesus said, is actually demand. We actually can make a demand. And it's not because we're being rude. It's because we're saying we're in covenant together and this... This part, I, I, I don't have this, but I need this. And you've got that. You, I'm weak in this area, God. You're strong in this area. So I need that. And so that's why it says that, that in that scripture. It says, it, Jesus even said this. If you demand anything in my name, I will do it. The translations changed it to ask, but it actually is the word demand. And so... God is just waiting for us to go to him as his covenant partner and demand that he keep his promise. Which for some of us might be, oh, I can't do that. But that's the, that's, that is potentially a hindrance to us to receiving because we've got to make sure that we, we have that deep in us, you know, that we can actually do that. It's not being rude. We've got a covenant agreement with our God and he's waiting for us to apply our faith for those promises and so God is actually waiting to hear his words spoken in confidence with faith now um, Hebrews 11 1 I'm actually just coming towards the end now faith is the title deed hey Hebrews 11 1 says now faith is or now faith I, I've heard it said that's now faith which means 
Faith is now, okay? Hope is in the future, but faith is now. That scripture says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And substance in Hebrew means assurance or guarantee, and evidence in Hebrew means proof. And so our faith is the assurance and the guarantee that we will receive God's promise that we're hoping for. Our faith is the proof that we have it, okay? It's the proof. if, If we've got the faith and we're applying it, that's the proof that we have it, despite not being able to see it with our natural eyes. We have a legitimate claim to God's promises, and so that's why it's so important to speak it out, to proclaim it. Okay, we've got to proclaim that hope. So remember, don't focus on the problem. Don't speak out the problem. Always speak out the promises. I'm healed. Thank you, God. Your word says I'm healed. Your word says in this scripture. Your word says in that scripture. Your word says in this scripture, I'm healed. Thank you, God. You're my provider. Your word says in this scripture, you provide this scripture that, you know, and you can just remind God and say, that. and because we are in covenant, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you you keep your covenant to me. And so you can even get a little bit demanding. <laughs> Which we try and discourage our children from becoming, but maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so uh, we need to guard our tongue as well. So we need to keep our eyes off the circumstances. That's the, that, the circumstances are the thing that our faith is kind of traveling over the top of. Okay, so the circumstances are the thing that our faith is traveling over to get to the hope, the thing that we are going to reach in the end. So keep your eyes off the road, which is the circumstances, which is the symptoms, which is the lack, which is the poverty, which is anything that that you're, you're battling with, which could be even anger or fear or anxiety, anything like that. Never speak those things out either, okay? Always keep your eye on the promise. So you never speak the problem, never speak the symptoms or the negative circumstances out of your mouth because your words are proclamations of what you believe. And so when you speak and proclaim the word of God, your words enter the atmosphere and go to work until it's done. And you don't want negative words undoing because they'll stay in the atmosphere continuing to work unless you cancel them out. So when you speak and proclaim the circumstances, as I said, all the fear or the anger or the bitterness or the words that are filled with hate, for example, your words work against the word of God, okay? So you need to get rid of them. Um, So if there's just one thing that I can get to you today um, to walk in faith is that you have to keep a guard over your tongue, um, and also spend time in God's word. Matthew twelve thirty six to 37 says, uh, and this is Jesus speaking, he said, for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Um, and there are many other scriptures that back this up. Okay, So what we speak out of our mouth creates or destroys. And we want our words to be creating good things, right? We want them to be, um, speak, we want to speak out the promises. We want to speak out what we're hoping for. And that way we can work together as covenant partners with God as well because he doesn't, um, he, need, he needs us. 
He needs us to do stuff. He didn't just join us um, as, in, as covenant partners because he felt sorry for us. He, we have a job to do too. And so God needs us to be praying. He needs us to be speaking out the word. He needs us to be applying our faith because we're supposed to be more than conquerors in this world. We need, we're supposed to be um, the people who are, you know, living victorious lives. We need to be shining lights in the darkness we, and, and examples of what the kingdom of heaven will look like. And so, yeah, that's why it's so important. So God wants us to understand the covenant that we have with him. Um, and just in conclusion, unless we actually have God in our life, and I don't know if everybody here actually knows God or not, but we have access to the covenant when we say yes to what God's done through Jesus. And so, you know, Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood. He didn't do it for his own sake and he didn't do it because he got caught and darn it, God wasn't planning for him to die on the cross or anything like that. You know, it was nothing like that. God, Jesus purposely went to the cross because he could have stopped it at any moment. And, but he didn't. He chose to willfully go to the cross because he had lived a sinless life as a man. And he knew, God knew, that if he died on the cross, shedding his blood, it would bridge the divide between us and God and it would mean that his blood would, would seal that new covenant and it would make a way to, for us to be made right with God again. And so all we need to do, you know, God... Um, is almighty and all-powerful God, but he does never force us to do anything. And so he never makes us choose him. And so that has got to be from our own free will, completely. And so all that we need to do is believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again, and speak it out. Um, and that's faith. And, and when you're saved, you used faith. Everybody's used their faith at some point or another, if you know God already. Uh, so when we believe, we, we believe, we say, then we receive, just like it says in uh, Mark eleven twenty four. And so that's how we receive salvation that God offers. So if there is anybody that has never made Jesus their Lord and Savior and would like to, we're all going to pray this prayer. But if you're one of those people, I want you to say this prayer with, pa with a bit of passion, like actually mean it, because, because that's where you're applying your faith. It's, it's when you're saying, Lord, I actually do want that, and so, and so you're gladly receiving, you're gladly praying that short prayer. So if, if everyone can just close their eyes, and I want you to say, um, Dear God, I believe that Jesus died for me, and that you raised him from the dead. Thank you for seeing ahead of time, sending Jesus to the earth to live as a human and then die on the cross, making me right with you once again. Thank you for sealing your covenant 
with me in Jesus' blood. Amen. You know, when we, when we first make that decision, actually, you've, you've actually become part of God's family, and it means you're, you are one of his sons or daughters, um, and you, you're very special to him, and God loves you deeply. So before we finish the service, um, I want to give an opportunity for people that would like prayer. If you have prayed that prayer of salvation and you'd like, uh, and for the first time, I'd like to see you as well because we have something to give you. Um, so if anybody would like some prayer, the, the leadership team and the ministry team will be available to pray with you. Um, James will just put some music on. And so I just really encourage you, if you want prayer, come on up for prayer. If you have any need at all and you need to stand in agreement with us or you want prayer for healing, whatever it is, you come on up because God's willing and available to help you. If you need to go, that's fine. Just quietly do that. But let's maintain a really honouring um, attitude in here uh, while people are being prayed for.